Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Barbara P and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, December 11th. Today we're reading from the big book uh, and we're on page XX, the first paragraph starting with another reason for the wide acceptance and ending with the end of that one paragraph will be found further on in this book. Today's readers, sorry, I have a cat sitting on my page. Here we go. Today's readers, the 12 steps is Krista F., 12 traditions, Joni C., readers of our text are Nancy P., Mary A. will be reading our closing, and Tamara C. is our backup today. We also have our newcomer greeter, Who's coming up later? Susan S.H. and Raj G., our second hour host. Um, so, and the reference numbers for yesterday, special edition, is, and that was Sunday, December 10th, is 20,923, 923. So, uh, Sunday, special edition, 20923. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through our 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So here's our 12 steps, and I'll ask Krista F. to go ahead and read those. Good morning, everybody. My name is Krista F. I'm in Georgia. Happy Monday. Lost my spot, sorry. Okay, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thanks so much, Chris F. from Georgia. Joni C. will now read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Joni C., uh, a compulsive overeater from Minnesota. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, Joni C. from Minnesota. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. 
So today we're starting in the big book on page XX, paragraph one, the first paragraph, beginning another reason for the wide acceptance of AA, and ending with will be found further on in this book. Um, that is in the forward to the second edition. So I will ask, and today we have Nancy P. kicking us off. Nancy, go ahead. Hi, good morning. Nancy P. recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you for letting me share. Um, another reason for the, wider, for the wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends, friends in medicine, religion, and the press, together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates. Without such support, AA could have made only the slowest progress. Some of the recommendations of AA's early medical and religious friends will be found further on in this book. Excuse me, Nancy P. again, recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. So I took a quick glance. I don't really, um, really at all, I mean, I don't ever look at the forwards except when we do them in this, um, in this meeting or if another meeting is, is going through. Um, so I was, I was thinking, I thought I had dodged a bullet, like I wouldn't have to share on this stuff uh, too much. And... Um, but then I saw this paragraph, and I was really relieved because, um, well, first I looked at ministration, and it says um, the provision of assistance or care and of friends. And I sort of said, oh, I get this lick. I mean, I get this. I can share something, you know, reasonable on this, because not because of ministration, but because of the word friends. I mean, Bill W. landed on his feet with Dr. Silkworth because I personally, and I'm sure everybody else knows of doctors who are arrogant and think they know it all and are dismissive or, you know, they're not, they're not listeners. They're not, um, you know, they don't want to hear what they don't know already. And, um, you know, we were lucky still, you know, almost a hundred years later that Dr. Silkworth was truly a humble man and saw, you know, this amazing new way of treating alcoholism, a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. And, um, but what really struck me is the thing about friends. Like, I cannot do this myself. I cannot. And I've tried and I've tried and I cannot. I was talking to someone, a friend last night on the phone, a, a new friend, a new buddy that I met through outreach. And um, I've talked to them several times and often will say, I've got to figure out a way to do this. I have to, I have to stop doing this. I have to stop doing that. And I say, at the risk of repeating myself, um, I don't think you're going to be able to do it yourself ever. I think you need to get on the line with other people and talk to them and um and they'll help you. You know, I um I think that Bill was right in in on page 15 or 16, I forget which, where he says um that it works in rough going and I I actually think that it's more than that. I think it works especially in rough going. And the only reason it works at all for me is because of what I call fellowshipping, talking to friends. I never had any friends in OA. Now I have a lot of friends and um, people want to talk to me and people call me and, and, you know, and I want to listen to them and I call them. And this is um, a ministration of we're ministering to each other, you know, providing um, aid and comfort. And, um, you know, who would have thought when Bill sat in the hospital thinking about what had happened to him and perhaps he could help some other people that suffered like he did. And here we are, decades later, all helping each other still. The original formula still works. And um, 
you know, some of us have even said to our own doctors, I've said it to my doctor, the day that I dialed into a vision for you, 20, December 1st of 2017, I did that because I had to go to the doctor, and that's the day she said I was so obese and so, I mean, if I bent over to work in my garden, my eyes hurt. That's a that's sort of a wake-up call. And um, after I recovered, I said, you know, she said, I'm so pleased. I think it's so great. And I said, well, I said, I, I joined Overeaters Anonymous, and if you need anybody, if you run into any of your patients that were like me, like crying on, on the table here, you know, crying in your office because they had to go on high blood pressure medication. I said, you can give them my number and I'll talk to them. And so, you know, the cycle goes on and on and on. And um, I'm available. Anybody can call me. In fact, everybody, please call me. I love to talk on the phone and um, nobody can say anything that any of us haven't heard. You're safe with all of us. And with that, I'll pass. Hi. Okay, Nancy. Perfect. Perfect. So with that, um, I would like to thank thanks so much, Nancy P. from Boston, from Massachusetts. Um, so we're going to go ahead and I'll take a list of names for sharing. Anyone and everyone is welcome to share. We'll share until 7.55. And at that point, we will close and move to our newcomer greeter. So with that, I'll go ahead and take a list of names. Please, if you have shared in the past three days, hold back and let others get a chance to. And with that, let me know if you'd like to share. Katie G. Heather H. from Texas. Penny, Penny C. Katie, Heather, Penny. Tamara C. Quick, who I have. Tamara. Julie B. Julie. Thank you. Joan N. Joan. Larry K. Larry. Okay, great. This is a great starting list. Let's go ahead and start here. I have, and I didn't grab all last names, so bear with me, but I've got some. Um, I've got Katie G, Heather, Penny C, Tamara C, uh, Julie B, Johan N, and Larry K. So, Katie G, you are up for three. Good morning, Barbara. Thanks for taking the meeting. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive eater in Boston, and probably going to say two contradictory things, but not really. So, I love the opening talking about friends. And I think, you know, as friends in Over Ears Anonymous, we can help where others cannot, you know, we speak the language of the heart and, um, and there are things that my therapist and other doctors don't understand. They don't understand my need as a compulsive eater, as an anorexic, as an exercise bulimic. They don't understand why it is that a 12 step program that a sponsor, at least for me, the two in my life, um, why I need this and it's saving my life. The debt of gratitude that I have to Overeaters Anonymous, being a member among members of Overeaters Anonymous. I mean, I should not be alive. I've been 228 pounds. I've been 110 pounds. I lost my menses at age 18. There is nothing that this disease has not stripped from my life, my bones, my teeth, everything. Um, however, all of a sudden, things that they thought were absolutely impossible have happened. But what I think is really important for me to notice is that it says that the recommendations of early medical and religious friends 
will be found further on in the book. So when I start saying things like I'm spiritual but not religious, if I trash talk, you know, medicine and religion, it's telling me that we're all friends. Like we're taking their their recommendations. So I still see these doctors that don't agree with one path of my whole treatment. And that's okay, right? Because we, the book also acknowledges that medicine and religion, they are strong entities that we are meant to pursue. And I am not meant to be somebody's doctor. If somebody comes to me and they have an issue with infertility or bipolar or suicide or anything, that's not my scope of practice. That is not my scope of practice. And I've been in the rooms for 16 years. And let me tell you, I have acted like that is my scope of practice just based on my experience, right? But it's not. Neither is religion. It's not up to me to trash talk religion or to say that someone really ought to become a born-again Christian or um, an Episcopalian. That's not my scope of practice. My scope of practice is that I'm a gutter drunk with food, anorexia, bulimia, Right? I'm a gutter drunk, and I can help in ways that these doctors and religious members cannot help. However, they can help me in ways that I cannot help. Right, And so I need to be quick to see where religious people are right, be quick to see where doctors help me, because we all are friends. right? Like I don't mean to be free to be you and me. I'll wrap up with this, Barbara. But like, if I'm really a recovered woman in Overeaters Anonymous, I don't need to criticize anybody, and I can make use of what anyone has to offer, right? I, I, um, I don't have to be, I can be sober, considerate, and helpful regardless of what anyone says or does. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Katie G. Appreciate you. Heather, you are up. Good morning. This is, Heather H. <clears throat> this is Heather H. from Texas. I am an unrecovered compulsive overeater and bulimic, and this is the first time that I've shared. I've been dabbling in a vision for about a month and um, have just been doing half measures, and I do this in every area of my life. I'm not sure if I've really completed anything and been consistent other than being um, a compulsive overeater and bulimic, and um, I just can't seem to um, get completely surrendered. And there's so many things that you guys do beautifully and that keeps you abstinent that I just haven't been willing to do. And I'm scared about it because my life is totally unmanageable, but I seem to, um, on for dear life for, with this addiction, um, and way of life. And I've been a compulsive eater, overeater and bulimic since, (laughs) since I can remember. And, um, it has taken a toll on my body and, I'm just needing to say this out loud. I'm not sure what to do next, but I do appreciate everyone listening, and I'll pass things. Thanks for speaking up. Heather H. from Texas. Great. Welcome. Penny C., you are up next, followed by Tamara C. Good morning. Thank you so much, Barbara. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from the Boston area, and uh I just wanted to um, report that this is a, a, another special day for 12-step people. Uh, on this day, December 11, 1934, Bill W. entered town hospital and took his last drink that day. And so I, I celebrate. I celebrate that. Uh, a dear friend sent me uh, AA calendar several years ago, 
and I keep it just to check on the events that um, led up to my recovery, really. I wanted to um, talk about this paragraph talking about how AA could have um, made only slow progress had not the, and I'm focusing in on the friends in medicine um, who um, advocated for the, this program. And it reminded me, especially with the first year today, that um, I've had for a, a, a primary care, I've had a nurse practitioner for over a year. And I have not mentioned OA to her. And as fate would have it, I have a a checkup appointment this morning. And so this spurred me on to make the commitment to talk to her and tell her that um, until I got to OA um, a whole bunch of years ago, that I was um, couldn't stop eating. I was obese. I was um not well and um so that's my commitment today is to make sure I let her know as the first speaker said that I'm available if she knows of anybody who would like to call me and I would um you know not not be concerned about my anonymity um so that I can help others who were in the same state that I was and with the help of God, that will happen. So I thank you um, for for leading, and I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thanks so much, Penny C. Tamara C., you are up, followed by Julie B. Tamara? Good morning. Thank you for your service. Hi, everyone. This is Tamara C. I'm very grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Missouri. Um, I wanted to, um, yeah, zero in on this idea of, um, like, able and persistent advocates. And it, it's really great that at the beginning of AA, they had advocates outside of the 12-step fellowship. Most of my advocates have been inside um, OA. I'm very grateful that we have such a, a strong fellowship today. I, uh, I I heard when I first came, we'll love you until you learn to love yourself. And for me personally, that that was helpful. I didn't know how to love myself. Um, but in recovery, I I learned to advocate for myself by asking for help. And I didn't know how to do that before. I thought um, in my disease, I was supposed to be self-reliant. And I tried really hard to be self-reliant. And obviously, that didn't work for me. But I have received a great deal of support um, my sponsors have been able and persistent advocates, my program fellows, um, and then people outside of program, like my husband and friends, they um, don't get it, but they, they love me and are um, glad to support something that helps me. Um, when, when I was coming back from a relapse, I kept saying to my husband, I need to get to that meeting. And Finally, one week he said, would you like me to drive you to that meeting? <laughs> and that got me there. And so he was a, an advocate for me. Um, yeah, and, and doctors, um, they, they, I can tell they don't get it, but they'll ask me questions and they, they're trying to be supportive. They can see that it's working. And people in um, my religion, 
um, all again, you know, they don't get it, but they they're they see that I have found something and they support that. And the, I, I'm just learning there are people in my life who love me and want to support me. And now I get to ask, what can I do for the one who is still suffering? And and I get to be a part of this um, advocacy for others. And I'm just so grateful for that. Thank you. I pass. Uh, thanks so much, Tamara C. from Missouri. And just a reminder to everybody where we're at. We're on page XX in the forward to the second edition, first paragraph, beginning with another reason for the wide acceptance of AA and just, just that one paragraph. Julie B., you're up, and you'll be followed by Johan N. Julie B., star one. Thank you. Sorry about that. Good morning, Julie B. from Ohio. Thanks so much for having me on the line. Uh, wonderful to be with you this morning. So what I take from this uh, sweet paragraph is just, you know, the people that um, continue to carry this message, you know, and for the wide acceptance of this program. I don't even know where I would be if people didn't really continue to carry this message. And, you know, I love that there is not a lot of controversy, or at least now there's not a lot of controversy. It's such a widely accepted program. Um, it even speaks about, you know, the friends in medicine that have accepted and um, really carried this too, you know, and, and I think about the the doctor's opinion, you know, it's like one of my favorite spots right now where it really just breaks down that we have an allergy, like a black and white allergy. And um, just learning about that and, and how I, and now that I'm going through the steps again, um, just <laughs> they keep adding things in the book when that weren't there before, you know, just the different parts of, 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 of all the OA approved literature that wow, I didn't, I couldn't read before. I didn't know, I, it didn't, it didn't hit me the same way. Um, it just makes me like so grateful to like even just learning again, like the admission that I'm not like other eaters, like, you know, not just in the fact of, of not being able to eat certain foods, but even if I eat past a certain point, like I did not know that <laughs> until like this week. Like it's just amazing how, you know, even after being in, in this program for about four years now, um, that literally I think every single day I think about something differently or something else is revealed to me. And it's just, it's amazing. And I love that this program also lives in harmony with other religious programs. Like we don't have to have a divided spirit in this program. We can follow it the same way that we would seek out medicine um, support. You know, it doesn't divide our our um, loyalty in, in our religion. Um, so just thinking about like without the support, like, you know, AA could have had the slowest progress. And think, I thank God that it is a part of my gratitude list that like I live in a time where there's technology, where there's a vision for you, where there's outreach calls and group me's and that incredible, incredible support. Without it, I would still be drawing the curtains. I would still be isolating, um, playing with food each day and, and saying I wasn't going to do something and then doing it. And it would just be, it would just be um, 
my, my, that would be still my life. And now I turn to God and I just want to say that I'm grateful for this sneaky program because it brought me back to my higher power. Um, and I just feel like, like a prodigal child just kind of coming home. And I'm so grateful that interwoven in this book is, is the road to back to my higher power. So thank you so much. And I pass. Barbara, we can't hear you. Star one. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. And you are up next, followed by Larry Kay. Johan, go right ahead. Hi, this is Johan. I have to pass. Thank you. No problem, Johan. If you want, we'll try and swing back to you later. Larry Kay, go right ahead. You are up. Larry, star one. Larry Kay, we might have gotten you quicker than we thought. Oh, there I am. Good morning. There you are. <laughs> I'm here. I'm by myself. You'll be down. <laughs> Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, I, I remember um, walking into an early meeting in uh, AA, and um, they, were, they were going to read this paragraph, but before they got there, they, they, the orientation of the meeting was that they had some shares, and it was ironic to me, not at the time, but much later, that one of the shares before we ever got to this meeting about the friends in the program, and you know, um, was that the statement was made, you know, this is not a we program. This is a you and God program. This is a selfish program. And it was well-intentioned and, you know, in that message, and yet I've come to realize just how well-intentioned, yet how absurd, <laughs> how absurd that is. We have friends um, that God has given us that has led us towards the cultivation of, a, of this, this practical program of action. And it, and it speaks to the idea that beyond friends and, you know, medical science and religion and psychology and all sorts of, you know, that have, that have helped us um, by supporting our program. What it's, what it's done is also that this is, you know, God, the God of my understanding never intended for me to work this program by myself. Now, can it be done if I lived in a, in a, in an igloo somewhere, nobody around, they sent me the book and I did. Yeah. But, but would that be the ideal, intended way that it be done by myself? No, <laughs> of course not. That would be absurd, right? Because God uses these wounded people, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic people, to, to help us along the path. There are no self-made men or women on this line, in my opinion. None. None of us gets anywhere in life without others helping us along the way and how beautiful that we had the Jack Alexanders and we had the Dr. Uh, Emerson Fosdick and we had all sorts of people throughout history that supported us that weren't alcoholic but saw the movement as being a very positive one and that worked. They didn't, they didn't know why it worked, but it certainly worked. And even today, 
how crazy would it be that for me to work a program that is designed to move me away from selfishness, self-centeredness, being absorbed in me, and do it by myself, right? Do it by myself. So I'm grateful that this program is about the interweaving the tapestry of individuals together. That's, that's what God wanted, I believe, my higher power wanted. Makes no distinction about religion or denomination or atheist agnostic, but just people trying to get well and stay well. With that, I pass. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Larry Kay from Illinois. So although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience to we're sharing on the first paragraph on page XX in the second or the forward to the second edition, beginning with another reason for the wide acceptance of AA. So who else would like to share? And Johan, if you get free, um, we heard children, if you get free, feel free to put your name back in. Ken W. Ken. Sorry, Ken, Linda. Somebody else was in the background. from New Jersey. New Jersey. Karen K. Lynn S. Lynn S. Rivka M. Right. Rivka M. All right. And we may run out of time with that. Let me tell you who I have, who I heard. And I'm so sorry if I missed anybody. Ken W.H., Linda, Suze from New Jersey, Karen K., Lynn S., and Rivka M. So let's go ahead and start with those. Is there anyone I missed who was in that grouping? I'll put you on the end, and if we're quick, we might, be get, we might get you. Okay, so I think I got everybody. All right, so we're off and running. Ken W.H., you're up next, followed by Linda. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Excuse me, this is Ken W.H., Recovered Compulsive Eater from North Carolina. I'm just struck uh, in this paragraph, uh, looking back and having been around this thing for too long without full recovery, but now have it. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> the, um, the reality is, is that early on, things were going really, really well, and it was easy to advocate for the program of uh, AA because they were seeing prodigious results early on. Since that time, and over the years, we've kind of leveled out at a, well, as the doctors would probably say, or the medical people might say, uh, a, a rather flimsy uh, report uh, in terms of success. Uh, our numbers, you know, the, the, the number of people who actually recover in 12-step recovery programs, at least from what I understand, is very small. We are a select group in many ways, those who have recovered. And, um, and yet still medical people, religious people, and others have advocated for this method. Um, it seems to me that medical science, if it's something that's not quite running such a percentage of success or anything else, they go to research and try to learn some more about it and make it better, make their treatment better and better and better. And uh, the religious folk may go on archaeological digs to get more and more information to make their assessment of religious history better and better and better. AA set down 12, pre- <laughs> 12 propositions 
a set of steps, a way of life, and it hasn't changed. What needs to change, and the only thing that make, will increase the percentages is people actually following the path. <laughs> That's what I found, because I, for years, I had the 12 steps in me, but I did not follow that path with my food. And I just wallowed in this ongoing, I, I, I don't even say uh, chronic relapsing, because I was never really fully abstinent. You can't relapse from something you haven't got. So... Uh, I've come to know that, that the only way that I can increase the percentage of success of Overeaters Anonymous is to stay abstinent myself and to follow the 12 steps and practice the principles in all my affairs. Um, and I think somewhere di- deep down inside, the religious leaders and the medicine people and all the others sort of knew that, and they left it alone. They didn't try to find the perfect elixir for whatever ailed us. They left it to us to become a part of something that was uh, beyond them. And it still is mm-hmm. beyond them. And I pass. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much, Ken WH, North Carolina. Linda, you are up for three. Linda, didn't catch your last initial. Star one. All right, I might have messed it up. We'll keep moving. Sue's from New Jersey. You're up. And here I am. Hello. <laughs> this is Sue's from New Jersey. Happy Monday, yeah. all. And um, it's interesting because <clears throat> I was brought up in a very orthodox religion, and um, it wasn't easy. <laughs> and I must say I can be kind of prejudiced against it in, in my own way for many, many, many reasons. And yesterday I happened to go back to, um, it's, it's December holidays and I like to sing. <laughs> um, I went back and a friend of mine is the music director at a particular church. <laughs> and I didn't expect to get anything out of it except a lot of nice singing. And the topic was comfort me, my people. And I'm starting to cry now because I just started to be a sponsor. And it was pretty much made clear to me by my sponsor and everybody else on the line here, if not the big book itself, that my sole purpose my real deep down soul purpose is to lead people to higher power. Put my sponsee's hand, and just by who I am and, and working the program with them, not by any merit on my part, just to put my sponsee's hand into higher power's hand. And that's pretty much what the sermon was about yesterday. And then we sang a song called Comfort, Comfort Be My People. And oh, goodness, I went to pieces. <laughs> it was so moving. So, yeah, <laughs> um, <clears throat> spirituality, religion, and even medicine <laughs> has helped us a great deal. And for that, I'm very grateful. I'm 68, and my doctors are thrilled with me. <laughs> but, you know, they have to know that it wasn't me. And it really wasn't. And I'd be happy to share that with anybody, anytime. (laughs) 
So I'm just grateful today for all of you and my sponsor and my sponsee. So, and certainly my higher power. Have a great day and I pass. Oh, thanks, Suzas, New Jersey. I think it says. Karen Kay, you're up, followed by Lynn S. Uh, good morning. Could it have been Aaron Kay, maybe? Um, it could be. Yeah, Absolutely. This is a, it's a, it happens all the time. This is Aaron Kay, um, <laughs> recovered in Michigan. Thanks for your service. Um, good morning. I, uh, I stuck on that word advocate this morning, and it, it made me think, well, what's, you know, what is advocating? It's really promoting something. And that, that brought me to our tradition that talks about, encourages us, you know, to work by attraction rather than promotion. And I, you know, I, as a result of the deep spiritual rearrangement that goes on in us, when we wave the white flag and put down the food and work these steps, I think we just gradually become more attractive to others. And I'm not talking about physical at all. You know, that might happen as a positive byproduct, but I'm talking about, you know, the kind of kindness and love that we come to feel and then radiate. Um, because self-centeredness is pretty ugly, but other-centeredness is really attractive. And um, I think the, the early professional outsiders like Dr. Silkworth became AA's advocates because they saw that this thing worked to bring about real deep change in people that they had been at a loss to help for so long. And, you know, I can tell you as a physician myself that, you know, medicine as a field is pretty much at the same kind of loss with obesity that Dr. Silkworth and friends were with alcoholism, you know, before AA um, sort of formalized as a, as a program and, and a, a way to help. Um, and the solution for many, many when others failed. So I, I just, I always kind of have to come back to, you know, the best way that I can promote my program is to live my program out in, in my life, in my work life, with my patients, um, with my family. And that's kind of what it comes back to. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Great. Thanks so much, Erin Kay. Lynn S., you're up, followed by Riska M. Lynn S., star one. Hi there. Good morning. This is Lynn S., recovered compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. You know, it just struck me when I was sitting here looking at this paragraph, and I love it when our historians share. And along with the history when they share, they often point out the hand of God in the program and how everything came together. And that's what I'm seeing here. Absolutely the hand of God. What other reason would there have been really for every get behind it as they did? They could have poo-pooed it. They could have left it alone, but they didn't. And it always stirs my heart when I see right from the start with Bill getting together with Bob and well before then, well before then, when you can see the hand of God because he sent out a search and rescue mission for all of us right from the very, very beginning 
And I am so very grateful that people on this line send out a search and rescue mission for me. And with that, I'll pass. Great. Thank you so much. Lynn S. from Toronto. And um, is, everybody stand by because we will have time for a few more shares. Rivka M., you'll be up next. And, uh, yeah. and then I'll be taking some more names. Yeah, hi. Um, Rivka M. from Maryland. Um, can you hear me? I sure can. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really um, i am loving the meeting, loving hearing everyone share, um, and just wanted to um, share. I really liked this reading, um, and one of the things that specifically stuck out to me was that when it's talking about our friends, um, I, I think that here it's specifically talking about our friends in medicine and religion and and the press and, and, you know, everything like that. And, um, and I've just had the experience, you know, personally that I've had, I've had doctors and and therapists that um, don't really get it, don't really believe in it, don't support it, um, the, the program. And then I've had, you know, doctors, therapists, um, religious, you know, people also that, that do and it's been such a different experience for me um and i'm just so grateful to be able to have you know um these people in my life that really do support my program even if it's not what they do even if it's not what they need um you know like i have a therapist now who you know she's she's not in this program and very often she'll she'll say to me like it sounds like maybe you want to be doing a 10th step you know, like she gets it, she sees that this works and she supports it. Um, and I'm just really grateful for that. Um, it says that we need um, them to be persistent advocates. And I do, I need that. I need that in all my life. Um, I need just to be well-rounded with that and just have to keep coming back. But this is, this is a program that has helped me. You know, this is a program, you know, with, with the fellowship, you know, with, God, of course, um, and even my providers, um, when they, when I have providers that, you know, get it enough to push it and encourage it, it's been a huge difference. So, anyway, I'm just grateful for that and just wanted to share. So, thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much, Rivka M. from Maryland. All righty. So, again, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day. Um, who else would like to share on this? I can probably take about three people, maybe. Pete, Pete. Yeah, three people. Pete, you're okay? Who else? Okay, Pete, Allison go right M. ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, who was that? Allison M. Kobe K. Allison. Okay, Allison and Toby, we may have time for a short share. Let's see. Allison M. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, thanks up. for taking the meeting. I, I'm, I'm assuming I'm still unmuted. My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And, uh, yeah, really good stuff. You know, it's it's interesting how, you know, we, we're, we're studying a book that was originally produced as an instruction manual, um, and, you know, emphasizing the process and the process is put in place in order to produce an essential psychic change 
which relates to the spirit, and that we're supposed to be transformed into this thing that's reliant upon this power. And, you know, when, when, when we're, we're reading here, and Rifka did a great job earlier really, saying, like, it's talking specifically, you know, not my buddies and my pals and my reach-around call friends. They're all, they're all a part of the process and a part of being helpful. But this is talking specifically about, you know, our friends in medicine and religion and the press. And you know where would where would this book be without the without the accurate even to this day medical assessment of the condition of alcoholism or in our case compulsive overeating where would we, where would we be I mean we needed I think for people like us we needed the medical assessment of the condition that spells out that you know we're different we're different than other people. And we're different because of the allergic reaction that we have to the substance that we put once we put it in our body. You know, you know, uh, nobody can get addicted to something they don't use. Right? You know, so, you know, this idea that my problem was lack of connection, my problem was lack of friends, or my problem was lack of people being able to relate to me, that's unfounded. Is it a part of the problem? Yeah, absolutely. Every single, every human being has the same set of instincts and connection and love is one of those connections. And humans actually need a feeling, a strong feeling of closeness with other human beings. But that's not my problem. That's not my problem. It's a part of the problem. And it's a part of the solution. But the problem is I have an abnormal reaction to certain substances, ingredients, and behaviors that if I ingest them or engage in them, I'm going to get the phenomenon of craving. And there's no human power that can relieve it, no connection to a friend that's going to relieve it, right? We have to stop claiming these, 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 these new age theories that the problem is, is that I'm separated from people that love me. The problem is, is that I have a physical and mental condition that only gets triggered from engaging in the behaviors that cause it or ingesting the substance that cause it. And that comes from a medical practitioner who doesn't have the condition, who says that we feel that something more than human power is needed. Now, that's not to minimize the significance of our friends and fellows, but it's not the, it's, this isn't a friendship manual. It's a manual that provides an essential psychic change, and with that, I'll pass. Great. Thanks, P.P. Allison M., you're up for three. Hi. Thank you so much. Um, uh, This is Allison M. in uh, Washington, D.C., and um, I am, uh, I I can't say I'm recovered today, but I am recovering, and um, thankfully, through the grace of this program, and um, uh, I I'm just so moved to think that, um, first of all, all of the people in this program who have reached out to me, um, really unsolicited, but um, just so generously. And uh, I do feel like I could call anyone at any time and uh, ask for for help and support. Uh, But what this... (laughs) What strikes me more is the thought that that um, that I can be a friend 
that I have value as a friend to another, um, which is something that uh, is a long time, it's, it's a concept that was really hard for me to imagine, that I had something to offer somebody else. And, um, and of course, uh, that's through the grace of um, uh, trusting and um, learning and relating to my, my higher power. Um, I get that confidence and, and uh, the trust in myself, and I, I, have, I do have something to offer. And uh, anyway, it's just uh, that's something that was never there before, uh, that belief that I might have something to offer another. And for that, I'm very grateful. So with that, I'll pass. Well, thanks so much, Allison M. And Toby, you are up. Toby K. Um, hi, this is Toby Kay um, in Florida right now um, from Long Island, New York, originally. Um, anyway, I'm really moved by this paragraph because uh, I, last night I went to a bat mitzvah party for a, a young girl, 12 years old, and all I could think about is me. How's my hair? How do I look? I didn't think about what I could bring to the others. I didn't think how, what could I um, bring to the party or to this little girl. I was just thinking about me, 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 me. I want recognition. I was, uh, I was the great aunt of this uh, child. Um, so of course, you know, and I don't see her that much. So I wasn't relating that much to her. But I just, I don't know. I felt so. Um, I felt out of it, but maybe because I was just thinking about me, and the, um, the and the end happened when there was this video, and there was a picture of my husband and this little girl. I said, "What happened to me?" And it was just so funny because I was thinking about me the whole time. So I see that the program is the opposite. Think of other people. Help others. Do what you can for others. Don't be so self-centered. So uh, coming to this meeting, I'm saying, now I know why I felt left out, because I only thought about me. And um, I know the basis of this program is others and not about me. And uh, thank you so much for letting me share. And I need this program to pointing for pointing these things out to me. Um, uh, thank you, I pass. Ah, uh, thanks, Toby Kay, for closing us out, and welcome to the club, right? <laughs> so thank you to everyone who has shared. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Today's share ID is 20,924. I hear some beeping. If someone would or one to mute themselves. Appreciate that. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. We'll, let's see, we have Mary A. from Maine coming in to read that. Sorry, a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mary. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered in Portland, Maine. 
This is a page 164 from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. So our recording will stop in just a moment.